Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This is the Leftovers Podcast with Derek Kramer. I'm going to say a stupid thing right now. Pudding. Where's my money? Frank R. Curry. I didn't say run through a wall. Do it again? Okay. And Kyle Powell. The Sabres were actually in a playoff spot for the entire year. On WGR550.com. Welcome into another episode of Leftovers Podcast. Derek Kramer. And Kyle Powell. Still no Frank R. Curry. He's still busting drywall on vacation. Is that a hobby that you do on vacation? Just bust down walls Kool-Aid man style? Oh, yeah. It feels like more of... I feel like that's fun. No, I feel like that's a job. If you, if you go on vacation, you're trying to if escape you love, from that. But if you love your job, you'd never work a day in your life. That's fair. Then you wouldn't <laughs> have to take a vacation. I can't wait for Frank to come back so that we don't have to keep opening with him busting down drywall. What was it last week? Well, that he was actually just on a hiatus, and then we were trying right. to define what a vacation was. And you, me, and Zach were then also pinpointing the fact that, well, he still also does bust down drywall. He's just not doing that right now. That's right. Frank, just come back. He's golfing today. I do know that from Twitter. He's golfing today uh, down in the Myrtle Beach area. Yeah, he took a picture of a cat that apparently lives on the golf course. Oh, he's he's about to just get destroyed probably. Because because Francis is not the uh, the greatest of golfers. Neither are we. That is true. We actually have proof of this, though. We do also have proof, though, that you were three better than me. That's true. That's true. We still did not make the cut. Neither so. did Geary, and he's supposedly good. Mr. I've got a review for all of the golf courses in western New York. Uh, did not make the cut like us. Cracked under pressure. Cracked under pressure. He, could, he couldn't do it. We were talking about the duster challenge, obviously, uh, when our, our friend and colleague Brian Koziel got us an invitation to uh, fail miserably at putting balls into holes. But... We've got plenty of things to talk about here, Kyle. As the Sabres, it looks like there's some more whispers about Ristolainen. His own whispers. His own whispers even. Oh, those weren't whispers even. Those were screams from the mountaintops. (laughs) Those were screams from the void. If it worked once. Yeah. But there was that. The Bills with their preseason game. Nathan Peterman is a thing once again. I mean, there's so many. The three up, three down. There's so many things we can get to and start off with. It's so hard to pick just one. It's almost not fair. I think we're going to go Risto first because you've got the Sabres hat on. Okay. So there we go. I've made the decision. So this whole thing that you see from what looks like a finished news outlet, just Ristolainen and basically – Pseudo-Ryan O'Reilly, different words, that uh, it's been miserable here because, well, the team hasn't been good. And then a lot of fans and Sabres Twitter goes ahead and fires back with, oh, yeah, well, it's not enjoyable for us to see you playing here. And for some fans, it's going to be the same thing of, oh, God, if they trade him and he becomes a Stanley Cup winner, I swear to God. 
I've said it once and I'll say it again. Just because the Ryan O'Reilly trade did not go as well in your favor does not mean that you should be scared of trading Rasmus Ristolainen. No, especially when he's the best of the bunch in a position where you have an absolute abundance. And Yeah, he if he's a guy that you see as a surplus, he's the best of your surplus. Exactly. And, and you know you need to shore up other parts of the team. Furthermore, he's probably got the most trade value of that surplus bunch. There's plenty of general managers around the league that still see Ristolainen as a very high-caliber, productive defenseman from the right side who can man a power play, give you a lot of offensive upside from the blue line. There's plenty of suitors around the league. And you put up. And you've seen it. And you brought in so many right-handed defensemen that it's almost unnecessary to have a guy like Ristolainen if you're not going to give him even the second pairing minutes. You've acquired guys from teams on the West Coast that have been proven analytically. They passed the eye test. Better passers, stronger skaters, good at getting plays out of the defensive zone and starting a breakout. You know, Brandon Montour for a full year. We're going to see what Colin Miller's all about on the uh, East Coast again from when his stays in Boston. Took a little hiatus in Vegas, went to a cup. And now he's over here on the East Coast again. High praise from these guys. And Yoki Haru is uh Yoki Haru, yeah. He he's a guy that has got the youth and what looks like a lot of promise. So that would be a nice little moldable piece of clay as well. There's a lot of options. And we're just listing what we think are our favorite three. Zach Bogosian will come back from injury and be a nice Will Borgen can offer physicality if he has a place on this roster. Yeah, it's hard to even envision Borgen here right now with all the exactly. defensemen they brought right. in. There's a lot of interesting pieces here, and I'm very excited to see what happens here. And there are whispers, though. I mean, in addition to this whole thing with and saying those things, I'm not scared. And if your general manager's scared, get the hell out of that office. And I know Bottrell's not scared. He started pulling off more trades this offseason that kind of showed me he's got a short memory when it comes to this Ryan O'Reilly thing. And again, you need that. You need to try to make your team better, and if you're not going to go ahead and make deals, you're going to feel a little tentative because you keep getting burned by a certain thing, well, then you don't deserve the job. And to the fans that are worried about Ristolainen going off, well, first off, that's just irresponsible thinking on your behalf. If you don't like him now, what, pray tell, is going to be the difference than when he goes ahead and plays for another team? You're going to think he's terrible then. But I do know one thing for sure. You didn't want to see him in a Sabres uniform again. O'Reilly was a little different. People heard those comments. They got angry, but there were a lot of people that still said he's still really good. Yeah, there's some people that thought he could be better than he was. Exactly. While he was in Buffalo, and our own Paul Hamilton echoes this all the time. We saw it this year in St. Louis. Whether it be the change of scenery or not, or unlocked potential, whatever age 28 he was, Mm -hmm. 27. uh, Paul Hamilton has always said, on our station, Sabres intermissions, whenever we have him on, or when Ryan O'Reilly was in town, and even when he visited with St. Louis, he said he could always be better than 60, 65 points. It's like he put a cap on himself. You always knew what you, was, what you were going to get from Ryan O'Reilly, mm-hmm. but there was untapped potential 
even there in a guy that was just entering his prime that he didn't really unlock yet in his early 20s. There was a guy that made Team Canada for the World Cup of Hockey. And you saw it this year, nearly a point per game after, you know, granted, he probably took a dip in points because he had to play in all three zones so constantly while in Buffalo being one of the better players while he was here but it was but there like was a little bit of a misuse 60 usage. points 62 points 65 points it was like you can knock one of those numbers in for Ryan O'Reilly but you always thought like there's something else in there there's something else in there and I thought there was also a bit of a like Rasmus versus the line in here an over usage uh, you'd have him out there to take a face off when his shift was done you'd have him out there double shift on a face off and in the rare instance that he'd lose it he'd have to be stuck out there Exactly. There was much more of a reason as to why he won the most face-offs in NHL history, more than the fact that Buffalo saw, oh, wow, he's the best face-off man in the league. We need to throw him out there. <laughs> he had to be on out every, there. Bilesma threw him on every face-off possible. Didn't matter what situation, exactly. he special would, teams, He would what take zone, the face-off, skate back into his bench, and make a change. Like That's a toll. It's a toll. It's not – and, I mean, Bilesma misused several players – Housley misused a lot more players. And for the love of everything holy, please just let Kruger be competent. That's all I ask. I mean, Bosma was competent-ish, and then the team took a nosedive with Housley with what you thought was an upgraded group on the roster. Yeah, you thought. You thought. Yeah. I mean, Josh Georges was a top-pairing defenseman under Bosma. Nothing against Josh Georges, but in his later years, he shouldn't be skating that many minutes. And then that problem gets solved, and the Sabres somehow get worse. So that goes back to coaching for me. I think this team will be better simply if coaching is competent. Even if they don't get another top six forward for this upcoming season. There's still this expectation from me that they're going to be competent if their coaching is just better than Housley. I honestly I think, think we'll see that. I honestly think that yes, it was seen as a great hire and some things just go wrong, but Housley kind of torpedoed two years of the Sabres here. Got us Rasmus Dahlin, which I guess no take backs, but at the same time, Housley's insistence on having speed on this team, speed, 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 part of the reason, I might even say a bigger reason that Ryan O'Reilly was shipped out. It's a, it's a simple fact for me is that he wanted speed on this team. O'Reilly's not the swiftest of skaters, but he's a really good hockey player. It's a reason that Sam Reinhart wasn't allowed to carry his own line. That's a whole other story in itself. That's what I'm saying, though. Like, Housley's misuse of players kind of made it seem like there's a step back. Again, it got us rest with Stalin, and that's the one thing I will never trade from this. But some basic competency at the coaching position for the Sabres could actually be nice for once. I don't know if Kruger – I can't guarantee Kruger's going to do it, but I do like that uh, they made the decision. They said, this wasn't good enough for us. We don't like this, and we're moving on. 
obviously don't want to dwell too much on the Sabres here because generally talking about the Sabres tends to worsen everyone's mood. But there's an interesting snippet of a tweet from John Worrell earlier today on the tweets. And our own Brayton Wilson was having a conversation with him on Twitter. And it seems like Warrow is hinting, hinting at. I can't obviously say that he's reporting at it. He's, he's speculating like a lot of us. But, you know, it's kind of like a he, has a... he has a deeper feeling, I think, that a lot of these restricted free agents not signing is one of the holdups to risk line and not being traded. Yeah, and it's the same reason why Jake Gardner isn't signed. Exactly. There's a lot of moving pieces that still need to be figured out. But yeah, there's a there's a sense though around. Just think of the teams that were at least rumored to have interest in Rass, which was the line. Winnipeg has two RFA's that are major. Winnipeg seemed like a bona fide trade piece, trade chip, trade partner. Um, and they Rumors still have, of Toronto a little bit, obviously Mitch Marner. But you still have two major pieces that Winnipeg needs to sign, for example, in Kyle Connor and Patrick Laine. Yeah. They want to take care of that first, probably. And same goes with Toronto. With and Mitch same Marner. even goes further true with Tampa Bay. And Braden Point. With and Braden and Point. Bristolina was linked to Tampa Bay at the trade deadline by Andy Strickland. Mitch Marner, by the way. There was a story over the weekend. I'll believe it when I see it. The Islanders? I'll believe it when I see it. Or, I'm sorry, was it the New York Rangers? It was the Islanders. It was supposed to be an offer sheet. And, oh, I yes, the Robin yeah. Leonard Masterton trophy thing. Yikes. It? Yikes. Big yikes. Yeah, seven years, $91 million. I'll believe it when I see it. And also, I don't think Marner's going to sign it because he wants that five-year or whatever crap. So, yeah, a lot of this RFA stuff, now it's getting really annoying. We wanted offer sheets. We got one, and it was mostly Montreal did the negotiating for Carolina for Se- for Sebastian Ajo. Because Carolina looked at that contract and went, okay. Right. We're going to make you wait six days because we're going to troll you, but you just did our job for us. Thanks. It was a very acceptable cap figure on an up-and-coming player. And, yeah, it was a five-year deal but they'll deal with that down the road definitely did not live up to the billing exactly we wanted offer sheets we got one it was basically another team negotiated the contract for a different team and (laughs) did him an absolute favor yeah and now you're seeing all this other stuff it's like come on all right like now this Marner stuff's annoying um Tampa's annoying because they're going to keep Braden Point probably, and they're just trying to figure out what they need to do to cook the books. Winnipeg has two RFAs. Nobody's touching them. Kachuk and Rantanen aren't signed yet. Like It's like, can we fix the CBA for the NHL so that this stuff doesn't keep happening? I'm just trying to see what else Tampa has to do because I know they've already done their work with JT Miller. And Ryan Callahan. But then they signed Andre Veselovsky. That's right. They still have projected cap space of just over $9 million. Which is fine for this year. Mm. But they need to think about the long term because they put Veselovsky on the books for that massive. stupid Yanni Gord contract is what's doing them in. Yeah. He has one good year at 26. 
hey, Stevie Y wasn't perfect. He was just mostly good. You gave him more money than Tyler Johnson with one proven year. And I am a Tyler Johnson stan over here. Yeah, he's a good little player. $5 million? You'd be doing the lightning a favor, but you'd be getting a real spark plug in Tyler Johnson. I, again, I am I'm I'm a stand here for for Tyler Johnson. It's just too bad there's no movement clause involved. No trade. No trade. Still, yeah. just about the same thing. Because are they really waving him? No. <laughs> yeah, it they just, could do away with Tyler Johnson though. They have plenty of guys in the bottom of that roster that are ready to, to blossom. Me. That play the same kind of style. Come on, Tampa, give him to me as Tyler Johnson. Give him to, give him to Buffalo. So look Savers. at what Anthony Sorelli did. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, to Buffalo late in the year, just blazing speed. Adam Ernie gives physicality. Matthew Joseph, and Cedric it, Paquette. And you think they've got another enough, rough and tough guy, and they've got enough guys down the pipeline still too. It's like, come on, they've got plenty of Tyler Johnson esque, whoa, Tyler Johnson esque fellas for a lot cheaper. Yeah. Hey, but if they're if they're looking at cap relief, they got to move somebody somewhere. They got three guys with no trades that all make around the same amount of money. If they're willing to waive it, I'm looking at Tampa trying to ship off Andre Pilat, Yanni Gord, or Tyler Johnson. Which is funny because two of those were the triplets. All in their late 20s. Alex Kalorn even. <laughs> Another no trade. 4.45 penalty killer extraordinaire. Yeah, there's a lot of contracts there, and they're kind of trying to deal with the sins of the past, but that's what happens when you're good. And that's why you shouldn't have got swept in the first round, let alone beaten in the first round. But it's it's interesting. And it makes a lot of sense that this RFA stuff is holding up a lot of the rest of the league. And that's also just so NHL. Like, it's just peak NHL that it hurts. Never easy. Never easy. Always complications. Always something. Because, of course... But we can now move on. I, I think we got a decent amount of hockey talk for a day in August. One more thing, quickly. Your thoughts. I agree with NHL Network's NHL top 20 wingers list okay, yeah. not having Jeff Skinner. Yeah, I agree with it. A lot of people are putting up a stink about Mark Stone being 13th, and I'm like, this is wingers on both sides. I'm not really going to argue much of this. Patrick Line at like 19 or 20 I think it was was a little bit of a question mark but that was the only one that I really had an eyebrow raised for I'm not going to put up any also it's just one person's rankings it might be a couple people but this isn't a consensus around the league like Lightning is the only one on that list that I'm really kind of like oh okay sure Like, Kyle, real quick, just list the wingers that were ahead of Mark Stone for me. Surely. Claude Giroux. Yep. Blake Wheeler. Okay. David Pasternak. Okay. Miko Rantanen. All right. Artemi Panarin. Yes. Well, South, yeah, okay. South Jersey's own Johnny Gaudreau. All right. Leon Dreisaitl. All right. Mitch Marner. Okay. Brad Marchand. Okay. Alex Ovechkin. Oh, yeah. Dr. Patrick Kane. Doctor. Yeah. At Punching Cabbies? Nikita Kucherov. Okay. 
I might have like one or two of those that I'd be like, okay, Mark Stone should be ahead of. But that's about it. And if I'm arguing two spots, then why am I arguing? Because it's objective. Mark Stone is really good. And guess what? Being a member of that top 20 list is a fantastic thing. Why? Because they're combining two positions of left and right wing. They didn't do a top 20 left wingers and top 20 right wingers like they do with a top 20 centers. No, this is two positions kind of being fused at once. And you know what that means? That means there's going to be some tough decisions. That means that a 40 goal score is going to be taken off of that list. Why? Because it's two positions. It's really just two top 10s. If you really look at it, I can't really think of anybody off the top of my head that could replace Patrick Line anyway. You're looking at maybe like maybe JB Ben, Jake Gensel, Jeff Skinner, uh, and Jake Gensel. Interesting he's, season too. He's an forty goals. Player, yeah. He's a forgotten forty goal scorer. Yeah, that's two forty goal scorers. Who had off the that same list. amount of even strength goals last year as Alex Ovechkin, who was third. Again, another forty goal scorer off the list. Like. Come on, people. We get – this is the problem with off-seasons. You get – get bored. You get bored and then you get too riled to up about at. things. Something to yell at. Yes. Like, it's – come on. Jeff Skinner doesn't need to be on the top 20 list. It's okay because if he's good, then he'll be on it next year. If he's actually worth the money that the Sabres just gave him, he'll be on it next year. And then other people can bitch about some other winger that's not on there. Who cares? It's a big old who cares from me. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. But you know what I do care about? What's that? Bills. I care about paying my bills, and I care about the Buffalo Bills. (sighs) Amen. There you go. One, so that my stuff doesn't get shut down, and then two is, well... There was a game on Thursday. Tyree Jackson drove the struggle bus. That poor kid. Um, I was actually very intrigued with what the Bills did with that first preseason game. How so? They had focuses, agendas. And that's what you should do with a preseason game is have a focus and an agenda for every series that you're out there. They ran the ball once with Josh Allen out there. Good. We know what Frank Gore can do. He doesn't need to get carries. They have a strong sense of what they know what LaShawn McCoy can do. They don't need to give him the football. What they do? Josh Allen, throw it 11 times out of 12. Technically 13 because of a penalty. And that was a nice completion to Cole Beasley. That's a good point. Yeah, absolutely. Like, they, they focused on Josh Allen and the passing game. You would have had a touchdown if Zay Jones didn't get his eyes blinded into the sun and drop the football. And then, unfortunately, he was 
given his penance for it by getting clobbered in the head. Which, that should have been a penalty. They should have been on the goal line. Just my two cents. But I'm bitching about a preseason game there. So I don't want to complain too much. Does hurt that he dropped that, though. Sun's tricky, but got to make that catch. And that's been a problem in Zay Jones' entire career. We'll talk about Zay in a little bit. But then, second team comes out there, and what do they do? A lot of Devin Singletary. Love that. Love it. Why? Because they're focusing on something. They're trying to make sure that they get some attention paid to what they want to see. They want to see what they've got in the progression of Josh Allen. They want to see what they've got with these new receivers. Let them loose. They want to see what they've got with Devin Singletary and the depth of this offensive line. Go at it. Singletary puts up 48 combined yards in just about a quarter and change. And then he was done for the day. So I was very excited to see what Dable decided to focus on. And it makes me excited to see what they decide to focus on for the second game. Third game is your quote-unquote dress rehearsal, so you're going to actually see some more mixed play calling in there. But I want to see what they focus on with the second game now with Carolina. You've got joint practices with them, so you're going to see a lot of each other for the next couple of days. And then you've got the preseason game on Friday. I'm excited to see what kind of focus they shift with the offense. It's probably going to be more of the same, honestly. I would agree with that. Yeah. Because Frank Gore got what? That one carry and one pass? And that was his day. I believe so. And LaShawn McCoy is believed to be the guy that's going to be in there instead for Gore on Friday. And you're probably going to see a lot of the same thing. You might see more McCoy out of the backfield with catches because he can do that more capably. That's more of his style. But I'm not really thinking they're going to give a lot of touches to LaShawn McCoy in the run game. I think they're going to focus more on Josh Allen. They're going to want to see what he can do against this Carolina defense that has been steady at worst. They've got talent there. I'd like to see them test it. The unofficial depth chart is intriguing because they still have Cody Ford as the starting right tackle. That means if and when Morse is healthy, they're going to kick Ford outside. Oh, you made a cringe face. I'm sorry, I was reading Roto World. No, I, I know. I'm just, I'm just wondering what you what you saw. Uh, Browns defensive end Chad Thomas was carted off Monday's practice, immobilized. Uh, he was able to still feel his extremities. Apparently pretty Ooh. rough neck injury. Okay. You obviously don't want to see that. No. But, yeah, so it looks like, though, the Bills have a sense where Morse is if their depth chart looks like that right now. Whereas it's an unofficial depth chart, yes, I know. But you do want to read into what the Bills envision when the team is healthy. That means Feliciano getting the start at guard. And then you can go ahead with uh, with what you can see there from the rest of the offensive line. Feliciano starting at center, by the way. That that was pretty damning on Russell Bodine. Well, yeah, he had that rough snap, did he not? Yes, and I'm that sorry, is why, was, for the preseason yeah. only, we're going to come up with a new segment. It's oh called Snippets. Who getting cut? The overreactions to players' struggles in each preseason game and I've got a couple of snippets here for you Kyle uh first one obviously being Russell Bodine 
He doesn't get the start at center despite being the second one on the depth chart. And then has a particularly rough game. As you mentioned, that aforementioned snap that soars over Barkley's head that leads to a turnover. Like, Barkley couldn't even touch the dang thing. And Bodine struggles last season. You think about it, how scary is this? He was a starter last year. Yes, he was. It just goes to show how bad the offensive line was last year. Because he and Vlad Dukas, who just got released, were starters for a majority of last season. Woof. Now, people don't people that don't watch the Bills, when we say we had a booty cheeks offensive line, one's probably getting cut, the other did get cut. That just tells you the state of what the offensive line was. Oh, and then Miami reporters, ask any Dolphins fan or reporter right now how Jordan Mills is doing. That was their starting right tackle. One man's trash. Is someone else's trash sometimes. <laughs> and that was the Bills offensive line last year, save for Deion Dawkins, and a uh, and he had a down year. Was I correct in seeing the Jets have already been rumored to looking at Vlad Dukas too? No, one Jets fan kind of said oh, something about the PFF grades. Ah, and uh, that's and that's everyone going, uh, sure, go ahead there, bud. Well, uh, yeah, right. we're not going to stop you. But actually, some of the Bills mafia was actually trying to stop him, be like, no, dude, don't do it. Kind of like this Nathan Peterman thing. More on that later. <laughs> and uh, another snippet for you, TJ Yeldon. When you get benched in a preseason game after one carry, that's not good for your chances. No, he was already seen as fringe, even with the two-year deal. He was probably going to be the odd guy out in the backfield if only he could learn and pick up maybe some special teams. He may have had a chance because nobody in the Bills' backfield really has any experience on special teams. Yeah, that's a rough one. Yeah, you're one. definitely right. That was pretty telling. Really damning. Because Norris Perry, who does have value as a special teamer, got Correct. the goal line carries. Yep. And he wasn't seen as particularly good at it. He did have to take three carries in order to finally punch it in. But they gave him the carries. And if you're TJ Yeldon, you're like, okay, I got to do something this next game. Yeah, because they stuck with him. They were willing to. Yeah. They stuck through those struggles that Perry was having right away in the goal line. So, yeah, TJ Yeldon, Russell Bodine, probably two guys that I'm not really looking at there as uh, as players that could end up on this team. The third one for me is David Sills. Did you have him on your projected roster? I did not. You did not? No. Okay. And... I'm going to just mention this player because a lot of there's a lot of fans that like David Sills. It's like he's the Brandon Riley 2.0 kind of thing. That was a bad interference penalty. And it led to a challenge that was rather unnecessary in a preseason game. But David Sills didn't really show anything to me that could help him fight when Isaiah McKenzie goes ahead and puts on a day and then even got first team reps in practice the following practice. Like just so Sills, Duke Williams got nothing. He no showed on the stat sheet. 
And like a lot of those receivers, you knew they were going to have problems making the team. And I did say someone good is going to get cut in camp from the receiver group. They still need to decide if they want to carry seven. Right. So I want to see what happens here with this second game. The receiving group. I don't think Zay Jones should be as locked in as a lot of people say he is. I agree with that. I don't th- – I hate to call a guy like a bland receiver, but that's, you – You know, I haven't heard that word, and that's probably the most apt word. I'm sorry I cut you off, but that's okay. bland. I, at this point, you know what you're getting. He doesn't do anything extraordinary. So when you're seen as a receiver who doesn't offer blazing speed, take the top off the defense – you don't have the Contested separation catches. You don't have the separation. Balls, yeah, the separation skills. Separation. Like you need to catch at minimum the football. The football when it's thrown to you. <laughs> at minimum, give me hands. If you're not going to cut the top off a of defense and be my deep threat, if you're not going to get separation, if you're not going to put a good move on after five steps and give me separation in the middle to the line, catch the ball. And to have drop problems. At the least, you have to be able to do that effectively. Yes. It's – and you want to see the guy succeed, and you want to kind of have that second-round pick validated and everything, especially when Juju Smith-Schuster went later in the round. I don't see him as a lock, or I don't think that he should be seen as a lock. That's the thing. I I, I do see him as a lock with the roster based on what the six have looked like in the receiving depth chart, I don't think he should be seen as that because of the way that he has played Uh, throughout his career. He really hasn't done much to uh, convince me. I've seen more from Robert Foster to consider him more than a lock than I have from Zay Jones because Foster has a strong trait. He can take the top off for you, and he can do it really well. He almost came out with a hell of a catch in the first preseason game. It gets reversed on a call, and you know, ball does hit the tip of the ball does end up hitting the ground. But it's an interesting attempt there. He's got a way to take the top off of a defense, and Foster has played special teams. That's how he made the roster. Zay Jones is starting to, and that's how he's going to hold on to a spot. Because when I went to one of the training camp practices, Zay Jones was doing a lot of special teams work with everyone else. And that's where Zay Jones is at at this point. Right. That's part of the reason. For, I for me, that's where he's like at. That, yeah. I went to I went to some practices and I'm seeing Zay Jones work with special teamers. What does that mean to me? That means that he's trying to secure his roster spot by adding value. Or the coaches are trying to give him a chance to secure that roster spot by saying, if you can show us that you can do this, we'll keep you around. We'll keep you around. Yeah. But that sounds like a fringe guy to me, does it not? It does. A guy who doesn't have any special talents or elite traits to him that has problems dropping the football and is now trying to play some special teams to keep his roster spot. That sounds like Robert Foster last year, except the drop part or the elite trait part. Like he's like I'm talking about that third part. When you're playing special teams to add value so that you can make the squad. Everything that I just described there about Zay Jones is a guy that is 
on the fringe of the 53. And yet he's seen as a lock. Yeah, make what you want out of that special team stuff, but it sounds like a last-ditch effort to throw this kid a bone. Yeah. Could be, might not be, may just – the only thing he know, can do is his horizons. The only thing that's but, elite about Zay Jones is that he can pick himself off the ground with a cool, right, without using his hands or whatever. Without using his hands, that's what it's it looks like, like to me. That's it. Zay Jones should not be considered a lock for me at this point, and for a lot of fans, he shouldn't be either because I'm seeing a guy who struggles. And again, like you said, bland. It's like, hey. I'm going to go to the bar. What do you want to drink? Y'all uh, got milk? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Literally that. <laughs> 2% only? 2% only. <laughs> yeah, it's just bland. I never would have thought that word could be used to describe a wide receiver. But here we are, bland. We'll see what happens in the next game. We'll see what happens here, but if Isaiah McKenzie continues to play like he did and practice like he did, if Robert Foster continued a game, and if Ray Ray McLeod continues his strong offseason into the preseason games, I think there needs to be a conversation. It's such an interesting Because dynamic. you know the first three that were out there? Cole? John Brown, Andre Roberts. Yeah, it's an interesting dynamic with Zay Jones and a bunch of these if Zay Jones is the guys four? and late rounders. Those guys are scratching and clawing and fighting, and it's odd to see a former second-round pick have to be in that same position, but based off his track record, he should be fighting and scratching and clawing as hard as the guys are that are considered legitimate, real fringe players, bring you in. They don't know if they're going to make it through camp he might have to have that mentality if he doesn't already have that. If Zay Jones is already the four, you're talking, I would rather you, take the you're elite. talking me into this. Yeah, because if Zay yeah. Jones is already the four, think about it. If he's already the four, I've got number five is probably Robert Foster. Foster has an elite trait. He can take the top off the defense. If he's on the field, defenses have to at least cater to that with Josh Allen's arm. Right. And then the six, they really seem to like Ray Ray McLeod. Isaiah McKenzie's brought value special teams-wise and in the return game in particular. McLeod and McKenzie both do return stuff. They can return the football. They've been shown to do it. They've done it in the past. What does Zay Jones give me? What's one thing about Zay Jones that you can give me? And right now, that's headaches. Headaches! Don't give me that face. Straight Josh. All right. Headaches. Yeah, there you go. That was a little better. There you go. You just got you, you gotta you gotta go all out if you're gonna do it. Full right, send. Yep, you're right. Don't, I'm sorry, Josh Peck. I'm sorry. Don't 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 say this right now for me, okay? Hey, come on. <laughs> that was cruel. So is what we're so is this conversation we have to have. And Joe mentioned something about this over the weekend where you see that week two catch attempt against Carolina where it looks like Tyrod Taylor overthrows him a little bit, and you're just like, ah, because he just misses his hands, but it makes contact with his hands. And it's like, oh, if the kid could have came up with that. It wasn't the greatest throw, so you give him some credit. But then he is so snake-bitten at some point that there's a long bomb 
that he has to bobble and come up with when there's nobody around him, it kind of ruined a touchdown for him because he wasn't able to catch it in stride. Is this last year? This was last year, yes. He has a deep ball, guaranteed six if he just reels it in and runs, and and he has to stop and collect this thing. And this is the career of Zay Jones in Buffalo right now. Maybe it changes if he has to go somewhere else, but the fact that we have to have this conversation, that's not good. Hmm. Yeah, it makes you think. And the only reason that it's a major talking point right now is just because of the fact that they traded up in the second round to get him. But I don't have to have this conversation about Deion Dawkins. They traded up in the second round to get him. Well, that's probably going to be the other side of the argument because like the, that's cost, why the cost it took to get him, if you don't have Zay Jones around, you've got proven guys like Beasley and Brown who were brought in from teams with winning caliber. They have strong careers to talk about. But then after that, you wonder if you're if – if the worry is like, well, maybe we have too many guys that are unproven that we're putting a lot of stock into for one season – I don't know. That's another side of the argument. I'm trying to play the other side of the coin. You like to have three. But guys Jones that had one of the that. more decorated careers in college football as well. This isn't a guy there. This isn't a Robert Foster who barely got used at Alabama, who looked better and made the passing offense better the minute he stepped onto the field. Not say Jones, Foster. Yeah, I guess the counter-argument, to my counter-argument is, well, look what they did with Sammy Watkins. He was also a trade-up. Also, with Zay Jones, though, like with last year, he was able to put together a decent amount of touchdowns. But if you noticed, he was still inconsistent game to game. There were two touchdown games. There was a three-touchdown game. Like Zay Jones will do it in bunches. I need some more consistency out of this guy. From a snap-to-snap basis, it almost seems. And that, though, last year is Zay Jones ended up with all of the attention once Calvin Benjamin became a biscuit away from a tight end. You may not offer us much, Boog. You gave us that. You gave us that, Jim. Yes. You gave us a terrible mobile that nobody liked and was getting in the way of people that were paying primo bucks to sit that close. But you gave us that, a Popeye's biscuit away from a tight end. So Zay Jones did have to deal with the tension. Okay, now what? Why Don't you is, think he should be is, ready for that? Why is Andre Roberts Though, the third receiver? Shouldn't he have been chomping at the bit for that opportunity? Yes. And I think he was, just he doesn't have an elite skill set. He's milk. He's, he's 2% <laughs> milk at a bar? <laughs> Is that is that our Monday quote? Uh, I feel like that's just weird, not bland. Oh, um, hmm. if someone orders milk at a bar, are you looking at them funny? I personally wouldn't. Yeah, well, you wouldn't. No. All right, well, it's cool. I get milk to you. anywhere. Come on. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's a it's a conversation that you have to have at this point, and not one that you want to have. But really, where's the value in Zay Jones at this point? If I've got other players that have more elite traits, 
I'm taking them as my fringe guys. And that's it for me. That's all I got to say about that. That's all I got to say about that. But you know what else everyone is suddenly saying again? Hey, this I'm 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 really liking this Nathan Peterman guy. And everyone here is doing one of two things. Laughing their ass off or screaming into the void saying, don't do it. <laughs> it's a trap. Or nudging nudging the guy next to him saying, should, 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 we, should we tell him? Yeah, like there's, there's really three main reactions there. Like that's it. Like one is pure laughter. <laughs> yeah, sure. Go ahead and see what happens. Another is actually caring about the other fan bases in the NFL saying, don't do it now. And then there's ones that are like, um, do they not know what happened a couple years back or even last year? Like, do they not know? Should we tell them? Should we not tell them? Should we just get popcorn? I don't know. I'm, I'm the second group. I'm just like, no. <sighs> it's, it's not. Ugh. Nathan Peterman, man. I don't know how. But Nathan Peterman. We're back to talking about Nathan Peterman. We don't have to do this. We don't have to do this. And it would save this for the dummy of the week, but, you know, by the time we get to Thursday. There will be plenty of more action. There will be plenty more action. There will be plenty of more potential. I could at least put this one and put it into the pocket and save it for later. But come on, people, don't do it. That's my message. I just wanted to mention it because, like, guys, we're in peak preseason if Nathan Peterman is throwing a touchdown, running on a 53-yard scamper, and looking halfway competent. Because when the lights go on and they actually play on Sundays, it seems like he has a legitimate problem. Because if I do recall, that was a Saturday when Oakland played. Right? Yes. So it's still not a Sunday game. He's still not going to do anything for you. Trust me. We've seen this before. He's going to flash random things, and then if he has to play a full game or even half of a game, say, "Mm, Houston? Disaster will strike when you give him enough snaps. And you give him the wrong situation. And you give him an out pattern. Go ahead. Throw to the sidelines. Call it. I dare you, Gruden. That's how it goes. Some guys just want to find out for themselves. <laughs> yeah, I'm seeing Oakland beat reporters like, hey, this Nathan Peterman kid's warming up to me. No, don't do it. We all made the mistake. We all made the mistake. As your brethren, But, hey, you know what? And there's some of us that are just like, hey, you know what? Find out for yourselves. We tried to warn you. <laughs> All right, Kyle. It's Monday. And you know what that sort of thing means. The latest installment of three ups. And three downs? No, nope, couldn't find any downs this week. 
There's got to be someone in the struggling, right? Someone's got to be in Struggle City. Isn't Boston still chasing on the playoff spot? Or are they in a playoff spot? Or I don't no, know what's going they're, on. Like, they're, they're, that ship has sunk. Good. They're on the down then. Boston. No. Yes. No. Because I get to put Boston in the down category. Fine. There's Boston. One down. down. Down number two. Boston. And down number three. Uh, people continuing to get hit by uh, foul balls. There you have it. Cut, print. There's your downs. Boston, Boston, and foul balls. All right, there you go. Shall I take on the three ups now? Yeah, go for it. They're a lot more fun. (laughs) Okay, Cleveland surges to a tie for first in the American League Central. First off, I love what Yasiel Puig did. When he he waved goodbye to the Twins dugout, gave gave him a little kiss. Yeah, he's been there for... A week and a half. <laughs> just, hey, guys. I just want to let you know goodbye. Bye to your division lead. We're here. I'm here. I have arrived. I don't know where I'm living yet, but I've arrived. Yes, the Indians at one point in the season, about two months ago, were 11 and a half games back of the Minnesota Twins, who they swept over the weekend. They completed a co- – oh, I'm sorry. I have to recall. I don't think it was a sweep. They completed a comeback at Minnesota on Sunday, 7-3 to three win capped by Carlos Santana's go-ahead grand slam in the 10th inning. His 199th home run as an Indian after stays with the Phillies and I believe a brief stop in Seattle. I don't believe he played for the Mariners, but it was at least traded there and then shipped back to Cleveland for round two with the Wahoos. So, yeah, 118 games into the season and the AL Central has suddenly solved nothing. Both teams Cleveland and Minnesota are each 71 and 47 going into the week of August 12th up number two Will Smith not the catcher from the Dodgers not the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air but the Dodgers whoops the Giants left-handed reliever stepped up to the plate on Sunday on Sunday night baseball on ESPN versus Phillies reliever Nick Pavetta in the bottom of the eighth inning with the Giants holding a seven to six advantage and in his first plate appearance since college, over a decade ago, he is 30 years old. Give it to me. He played his college at Gulf Coast Community in Florida. For the first time in over a decade, he stepped to the plate and delivered a two-run single to right field to pad the Giants' lead to 9-6. to six. I was kind of hoping for a dinger. Dude. But two-run single is pretty good, though. Incredible. What would you do? In your first plate appearance in over 10 years. You already know what the answer is going to be here. What's that? Selly. Selly no matter what? Yeah. All right. If I put if I put two runs in the scoreboard, something. There's Selly. There's a Selly of something when I get to first something base. Something is happening. Yeah. There's some form of pose that's going on at first base. And I would piss off all of the baseball traditionalists. I would not be good for baseball. Well, yeah, that was the latest uh, doom and gloom of this Philadelphia Phillies season from that hot start. Bryce Harper acclimating himself to the Philadelphia faithful, and since then they have put up a horrible run differential, find themselves fourth in the National League East. How did you not find them in the down column here? Because they were in it last week for a weird run differential, and the Will Smith thing just wrote itself. I wanted to make it an up. Good for Will Smith. He was a trade piece of mine I wrote in a story before the deadline. I thought the Giants might end up selling. They sold a couple of pieces, but not Will Smith. 
as it turns out, they were onto something because on Sunday, August 11th, they happen to need a clutch base hit, and they held on to the guy that gave it to him. So good for the Giants. <laughs> good for the Giants. And up number three, Saturday night rookie madness. Saturday night's all right for hitting three homers in a game. Thank you, Elton John. Aristides Aquino. I don't Aquino. think that's what he wrote. <laughs> I, I don't know. My memory's kind of kind of foggy. You weren't even alive. Neither were you. I'm at least old enough to know that you weren't even alive. Aristides Aquino and Jordan Alvarez each popped three homers on Saturday night for the Reds and the Astros, respectively. Aquino homered in the second, third, and fourth innings consecutively in Cincinnati in front of the home faithful. That's wacky. In a blowout of the Cubs, while Alvarez paced the Astros in Baltimore to the tune of a, ready for this, 23-2 victory. And Alvarez was a star with three home runs. Who? Who did they play? The uh, Homer serving up happy Baltimore Orioles pitching staff were oh, on pace for got it nearly three three hundred homers allowed. It may be above that right now. Okay, okay. I was expecting a double A team there for a second, but uh, honestly, they might be feeling a double A team at this point. It's 20, Trey Mancini, Jonathan VR up the middle, and insert cast off here for Baltimore this year. 23-2. to 23-2. Two. Usually when you have two runs, you think, okay, we need to put a little more bats in there, you know, get some runs for you. 23, do you even try at that point? No, I think, hit? I think they threw two position players on the mound, too. Alvarez's third even, homer came try off to, a position player. Do you even try to hit at that point, though? You just want to go home? Yes, I've been there on the wrong side of blowouts in college. Not fun. Don't he's, want to field. Don't want to hit. You, I, you're you're very, 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 very close to just taking three strikes. Just looking. Just check them. Looking. Like mail this one in. Come on. I got a bus to catch. I want to go home. Yeah. I've got a bus to catch. Oof. Twenty three to two. And the crazy part was, as I mentioned, Aristides Aquino. A twenty one. Twenty one run beatdown. He broke a couple records. Tied a couple records. Um. The first rookie since 1997 to have a three-homer game in his first 10 games in the big leagues. And he also tied Trevor Story's record from 2016, Rocky shortstop, with seven homers in his first 10 games. And Aquino, three homers by the fourth. I believe had three more chances, at least two, to hit that elusive record-tying single-game fourth home run. The uh, the Cubs did not throw him a strike for the next at bat and a half. There you go. Cheeky stuff. Cheeky. Cheeky indeed. But yeah, it was also the first time in Major League Baseball history we had two rookie players pop three homers on the same night. Yes, according to Elton John. You know. Yep. Saturday night's home runs, you know. Rip dingers. Dip ringers. It was a fun Saturday. I was sitting in here working the Bisons, and it was just – Long ball after long ball. They're going live look-ins on MLB tonight to Cincinnati and then Baltimore. Mostly for every run that was scored in Baltimore. But then when they realized Alvarez had a chance for three, he hit some loopy lollipop of a 45-mile-an-hour curveball from probably the Orioles' backup catcher nearly onto Utah Street in Camden Yards. And uh, 
Yeah, that kid is something special. Jordan Alvarez, 49 RBI in his first 45 games, I believe was a stat. He broke the record previously held by one Ted Williams. Yeah, that guy was for most RBI in that game stretch by a rookie. And he was once L.A. Dodger property. Imagine Ooh boy. that. Could you imagine that lineup still imagine having that? that. Lineup. He Ooh. was traded the Oof. trade deadline of 2016 for one relief pitcher, straight up, named Joshua Fields. That was my stat of the day when I figured that out a couple of days ago. Jordan Alvarez and all his glory we're seeing now was traded for a reliever as the Dodgers tried to make a postseason stretch run. And yet they can't get it done in the postseason. That hurts with the lineup that they have, too. That could be a fourth down. Don Alvarez was traded for Josh Fields. All right, there we go. Boston, Boston, foul balls, bad trade. We could put Philly. We could put Philly in there for five, but uh, we'll deal with that for next week. Why don't we just put a third Boston in there, and make it six, and then Boston for six? There yes, <laughs> three up, three down, three down. Thank you for listening to the Leftovers Podcast, Derek Kramer and Kyle Powell, and we got ourselves. Well, I say we, you guys, get a treat for the next episode when uh, we get Mark Schofield on. You know, we can bless the podcast and bless the reins. With the presence of Mark Schofield. Talk some quarterbacks. Try to get a glimpse on what kind of curse I can chant to make Tom Brady go away forever. You know, things like that. Frank might be back. I don't know. Kyle might not be here. I don't know. You've got me. You've got Mark Schofield next episode. And you've got, and we've got you. Thank you for listening to us here on WGR550.com, on the radio.com app, and anywhere you get the WGR podcasts so thank you very much for listening bills play on friday against carolina they've got two joint practices with the panthers this week matter of fact so make sure you're following sal and all the others and check out what they're doing there one of our or you can follow one of our guests from last week like uh, mr josh lee you know do that follow the people go bills and maybe we order, see aristo trade and if you order milk at a bar and I'm there, I will dap you up. And you'll be the only one. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See t